Hey, welcome back to another episode of the DC Beer Show. This is Richard. I'm here with my good friend. Adam. Uh, we're the Brew Daddies. We've been doing this for oh, almost two years now. Two, yeah. Wow. wow. Uh, through many incarnations of this show. Uh, we are out in Virginia today at one of our favorite Virginia breweries. Ocelot Brewing Company. Yeah, and we're here with Adrian Woodman. Adrian, thanks Hello. for joining us. Absolutely, my pleasure. Really glad to have me. you here. Uh, so, Ocelot uh, does things differently than a lot of the breweries we talk to. Uh, but first, let's start off talking about you and your background and uh, how you got started in this. So, you started, you were an IT person, right? I was, yeah. I was a uh, systems admin, network engineer. I was kind of like jack of all trades IT person for uh, uh, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children in Alexandria. Noble work. It's an awesome place. Yeah. Um, so how did you get into starting a brewery from there? Um, my dumb brother got me hooked on craft beer. <laughs> I went to San Diego one year um, for work, actually. And um, he took me around to a bunch of breweries out there, and I was hooked. I, before that, I had no idea. I mean, yeah. uh, in college, we drank, you know, Beast Light and stuff because... It got you drunk, but I didn't and it know was it cheap. taste like that. It was cheap. Yeah, it was like $35 a half barrel or something. Yeah, ridiculously um, cheap. Yeah. Ridiculously <laughs> yeah. cheap beer. And it tasted like it did. <laughs> yeah, it did, yeah. As we called it, one step from water. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to chug the first threes, and then you don't taste it anymore. <laughs> now, one of the things that makes Ocelot really uh, interesting and different is that you, you don't have flagship beers here. Correct. You guys are always turning out new beers. Um, how does your clientele react to that? Like not being able to always get, you know, a beer they love. Um, I think they love it. I think they've adapted with us. Um, we get, we get an occasional, Hey, you should make this kind of all the time. But you know, what we've seen is we put out something new, everyone goes after it and they drink it for the first couple of weeks. That's all they order. And then after that, they kind of die off on it and they want the next thing. So most of our regulars, they, as soon as they walk in the door, the bartender knows them and uh, oh, sorry, <laughs> pinball machine. Um, you know, the bartender knows them and they just pour them the new beer because they know that's what they're going to ask for anyway. Right. Um, at first it was a little more difficult, um, but now that people have really adapted to it and they like it. Now, what we do do is we bring some back. So we bring back the handful that we, uh, we have previously enjoyed. Um, we've done over 200 IPAs. So after a while, different combinations start to become harder and harder to find. And sometimes you'd nail it and you'd, you'd dial in like Mr. Kite, what you're drinking now is one that we've done now. This is like the third or fourth time we've done it. Mm. Because uh, we love it. So some, some of the other IPAs we didn't love so much, we're not bringing mm -hmm. those back. You know? <laughs> right, right. Um, but we're always trying to experiment with things. And wow. we also came across, you know, Sunnyside, which is our, um, our Pilsner, Sunnyside Dweller. And we usually have that on tap all the time. Um, hmm. That's mostly because we love to drink it. And a lot of industry people love to drink it. And it's uh, it's just really freaking good. Yeah. So wow. we usually keep that around a lot. So that's as close to a flagship as we get. But now with changing beer so frequently, mm -hmm. how do you deal with recipe development? You want me to turn that off? <laughs> it's all right. We can talk around it. Okay. It's uh, Luigi, everybody. Yeah. Oh, now like we're right going to have to pay royalties. Yeah. <laughs> um, sorry. Say that again. 
with changing beers so frequently, especially mm -hmm. like you said, 200 IPAs, how do you deal with recipe development and coming up with something new and fresh? Uh, we think of different combinations that we want to try. As far, and we, we, mostly we will stick to just two hops at a time for our IPAs, so that way they can differentiate themselves. We can also see how they play with each other. And then if one, more than two hops, you tend to get a little muddy in the flavor, and then it becomes a pretty generic flavor profile, we think at least. So we tend to stick to two, sometimes one. Every once in a while we'll do three. If we do a collaboration, we'll usually do three or something so we're not like overlapping on another beer that we've done. Um, and as far as the grain goes, I mean, there's we use like maybe four or five different base malts, everything from Maris Otter down to Pilsner and everything in between. Um, and then uh, there's all kinds of specialties we can throw in there. We don't we don't ever use crystal malt in an IPA. Uh, that was my rule number one when we started. Hmm. And and then it just I don't know it goes from there. So there's all kinds of different specialties, and we'll toss a little bit of this in or a little bit of that, see how it comes about. We also play with the water profile a lot too. So really, if we want something to to feel a little softer, we'll change the water a little bit. If we want something to be a little more bitter or crisper, we'll obviously adjust to that as well um and we play around with yeast too so um, it's amazing what you can do one recipe and change the yeast and all of a sudden boom it's a whole different beer you know it doesn't it doesn't dry out as much or or it dries out way more and you can and they have different flavor profiles and things so it's uh it's actually not as hard to come up with different recipes as people might think um hmm. There's a lot of stuff out there to to choose from, um, but I think we've we've hit on some of the basic, you know, building blocks of some of the IPAs that we like to do. We'll kind of stick to those. Well, you mentioned you mentioned yeast, and and I believe that uh, Jasper yeast is now housed out yep. of here. They're right next door. Yeah, yeah, right next door. So, how has that impacted uh, the, the way you're developing recipes to be able to have? sort of that entire, their entire catalog of yeasts right next door. It's to freaking awesome <laughs> is what it is. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, we can go to him for, for our Brett stuff. So, like, back behind us, we have, we actually have a beer uh, that we did with Charm City Meadery. And we originally used probably too much honey. And so it did not attenuate down. And we weren't going to serve it like that. So we put them in punchins, walk next door to Jasper and be like, hey, here's our situation. What do you got? And he's like, well, we have... 13 different Bretts and we have different uh, <laughs> lactose and it, like let's try this and let's try that and he would explain them all and we're like alright we'll take that and like a few days later he's like here you go I mean nice. it's incredible wow. um, that must be that must yeah. be really exciting to be able to, to work like that and brew like and, that uh, and he yeah. saved us you know because we had a beer we were going to bottle it was a barrel aged stout and we take a sample of it first and we give it to him he puts it on a plate and he checks it for, for bacteria if it comes back clean, we can bottle it. We had one that came back with a little bit of bacteria on it, so we didn't bottle it. If we would have bottled it, it would have been gushers, or it would have, you know, exploded the bottle, or it would have turned right. sour, or you know, got infected. So didn't have to deal with the recalls and the public humiliation of sending out nice. something, you know. Uh, so not every brewery has that kind of uh, lab at their you know, right next door right. like that. So Although we're cool. seeing more and more yeah. breweries like really sort of expanding the, their, their labs and really focusing on that. And I mean, the biggest problem is it's, it's expensive, mm -hmm. uh, all the gear and the know-how to use it all. I mean, that's why they come in and they're so, they're so good about the stuff. So they know it all. Yeah. Now, as Richard said, 
you you don't have a flagship beer, and as you said as well, you mm-hmm. change very frequently. But do you think there's a particular style or styles that define or um, in some way definitely yeah i mean i think most of the time what people tell me at least when we go to festivals or when we do um (laughs) (laughs) um, they they think of us as an ipa brewery um which rightfully so i mean we usually have anywhere from three to seven ipas on the board and i think right now we have like six or seven ipas on um and then some people think of us for the Pilsner, but uh, we do have all kinds of styles. I mean, I've read where people think, oh, they just do IPAs. But if you look at the board at the time they were saying it, there was like five lagers. There was like two barrel-aged beers. There was like a wee heavy. There was a, a wit beer. There was a sour beer. There was a pale ale. It's like, no, man, you're just <laughs> looking at like one part of the board. Right. Yeah. Like 10 other beers that are that are not an IPA. So. Well, what's your what's your brew house like? You're 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 keeping a lot of beer on tap here uh, in the tap room. How mm-hmm. what's your capacity like, and how much are you brewing pushing through? So we have seven thirty barrel fermenters, and we're a fifteen barrel brew house. Um, but we also take our time with the beer. So there are breweries that will put out uh, IPAs in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, we take four weeks. So it's not that there's anything wrong with what they're doing or with what we're doing. We just kind of like the way that they develop in that time frame, and that's when we do it. So because of that, our capacity is now cut down a lot. We could be right. producing a lot more beer as far as turning them over and things like that, um, but we don't. We, we like to just sit back and kind of don't take ourselves too seriously. Well, that's good. That's good. It's yeah. always in the, you know, in the interest of the better beer is, mm-hmm. is, is a philosophy we definitely believe in. Yeah. Yeah, on that vein, I believe last year you changed head brewers. Is that correct? We did, yeah. Mike yeah. McCarthy, who started with us, um, he went. He left us to go start his own brewery in Winchester. Right. So mm-hmm. he's in the process of getting that up and running. And our assistant brewer at the time, and I hate to use the word assistant because Jack was way more than that, but it was just the, the other brewer, I guess. Um, he was right there, and he was capable of doing it. And so he um, he got the job like immediately, so... Great. It makes it easy. (laughs) So that just, I mean, it just kind of smoothly transitioned. Absolutely. No real change in Mm -hmm. how you're producing beers. No, it's just, it's procedurally. And then it's just, it's always our, our, our model is always one of evolution. And that's what I say. When we opened, everyone said we were a West Coast IPA place. And that was sort of true in some way, but. I can't help what people think of us. It's it's just what they do. But we were never really producing exactly West Coast IPAs either. Um, it just happened to be closer to West Coast than any other style, I guess. But since then, I mean, the beer you're drinking now, the the IBUs are much lower than a right. than a West Coast style. I mean, the look on it's a little hazier, obviously, a lot hazier than that. Yeah. Um, and next year, we might be making a whole different kind of IPA. Who knows? So we always just change. Um, and yeah. whatever we want to drink, I mean, that's what we do. We sit there and think, hey, this might be good. Let's try it. And we can do that because we don't have flagships. And we don't have contracts with distributors and retailers to say you have to make this and this much of it and, and give it to us. So, and How active of a role do you take in helping to develop the beers? Um, pretty active. Um, for instance, uh, well, over the last eight months, I've been dealing with some own, my own personal and health issues. So 
and I trust Jack. So, and he knows, like he, him and I click as far as you know the styles of beers that we like, and he he comes up with a lot of them, um, and they all fall into the same category of something that that I would do too. But um, but very recently, like I, I made one. Um, or I made a recipe actually. I, I didn't get on the brew house and do it. I don't have the physical capability or the the time to do that right now. But I try to stay in it, and we we talk about it all the time, like what we're gonna make and and what sounds good and and how we're gonna do it. So um, it's team effort. So okay, you guys have been open what four years now, mm-hmm. um, and and you guys are always evolving, mm-hmm. trying new things. Tell us a little bit of what you see about the, the, the industry, particularly locally and here in Northern Virginia and in the D.C. area and, and the evolution that, that you see in the industry and breweries over that four years. Uh, well, when we opened, you know, I was I, in, Vir- in Northern Virginia. I call us like kind of the phase two. Like you had the original uh, people that were there, like Bill Madden, obviously, like helped start the whole the whole thing and mm-hmm. went through uh, all kinds of hoops to get everything going. Uh, Jim Corcoran as well. And you had, um, you know, Dominion. And then after that, it was Rhino. And then around the time we opened and maybe within a year before that, you started seeing a couple more people pop up. Um, Crooked Run was there and then um you know adroit and old ox um i'm sure i'm forgetting somebody but sure but there's so many now and then after we open after about a year or so then you start seeing a lot of them pop up most of them are smaller if you will not all of them but most of them are smaller um the uh you know the law change that happened when mm-hmm. that's like six years ago or whatnot um really made it feasible to open a small brewery and just if you sell in the tasting room you can the margins allow you to stay open as opposed to having to send that out to distribution with really small margins and then you can't make it up unless you have a lot of volume right um, right which is what made it hard for any brewery to operate unless they were a certain size yeah and then not or a brew pub and not having to be a brew pub to be able right. to produce and sell it would exactly. just a tap room yeah. i think changed for a lot i of mean folks. and in dc you see the same thing too like i remember the days of brow you'd go in there and like you know you'd get your little sample they'd give you a couple mm-hmm. of tickets and you get a couple of samples and they weren't able to sell a pint of beer right and since that changed, it's a whole new world, and you see everything you know opening up over there too. Right. What about the the competition that we're seeing as all of these breweries are expanding, and there's more and more. Thank you, sir. And there's there's more and more. How you know we we were talking earlier before we we were recording, and and the big announcement this week that Mad Fox is closing, and um, today's their ninth anniversary party. The day we're recording this is the ninth anniversary party. How is how is competition affecting how you're looking at the business and of, of owning a brewery? Are you guys thinking of, of of expanding tap rooms into other places? Are you thinking of those types of things or getting into distribution? Um, or are you comfortable and happy with what you got and, and where you're going? I'm comfortable and happy. Um, this was the plan from the get-go, to be like kind of self-sustainable. I've always thought that there's always a place for good beer but if you start making too much, then it has to have outlets. And if you don't have the right outlets, then it kind of tarnishes your brand a little bit. So the idea from the get-go was always to be a certain size where we sold most of it out of the tasting room. And then our distribution is sort of our marketing budget, if you will, because we don't mm. believe in marketing either. So um, 
that was just the way I thought of things. Um, the way I made the model that way was based around my drinking habits, and they were so it was. I built the model around what I what I thought would work. So we're fine. Um, we're same as we were last year, if not a little bit better, and it's been you know increasing every year. Um, so there's no immediate plans, and honestly, I don't have the energy to, to expand and go bigger and and invest. And it's a scary time to open a brewery right now. I think. Yeah, it's, it, it really is. is. There's so many that are opening, and everybody's trying to figure out not just a matter of of wh- how big you want to be, which is a big question. Everybody goes into this: Are we going to be a little tap room? Um, it, Bill Madden is the one who told us that, in his opinion, regional breweries are done. Like nobody can actually open a new regional brewery. It's now. very hard. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think uh, the boys down at Solace down the street have done a really good job of being that of, of of opening a potential regional brewery and the way that they did it from the get go. And all the thought that they put into making that happen um, has been pretty impressive, I think. Uh, and they're, you know, getting more and more tanks, and they're they're ramping up more and more production. So, um, smart guys, and I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna have outlets for the other stuff. But the more beer they produce, Ox has done a pretty good job too, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but that that is a scary place to be in the in the you know grand scheme of things. Is, yeah. is that regional player? It's it's. There's shelf space is limited, and there's not every grocery store can have two aisles like Total Wine does of sure. craft beer, and and if it does, how much of that is old, how much of that is warm, and you know, yeah. do you want to be sitting there, you know, with your IPAs going on 90 days and 120 days, and it's not the same. Yeah, yeah, it's a challenging thing, and we've you know, other than I think Denizen's expansion in mm-hmm. Maryland to you know a much bigger production facility, and Denizen's always that was always part of the business was to be right. a distribution brewery, right. um, but but that's the last sort of major production expansion. Um, and it's it's recent, but it'd been a while since I'd seen anything before that, and I don't see anything on the horizon in terms of distribution like that level of production expansion for distribution so but But what i have seen is people that were regional they there are um they're finding outlets for their beer that's not distribution so and i think virginia tried to curb that a little bit a couple years ago when there were breweries large breweries that were sending a lot to distribution they would go get another place like in the middle of a town somewhere open that up and say Mm -hmm. hey it's our you know, sister, it's our, they put a Sabco in the back and now it's another brewery and they can distribute to themselves there and then right. sell it, you know, with the margins of a tasting room. But I think Virginia caught on to that and is trying to, you know, put some laws in place that says certain percentage of what you sell has to be made on premise and right. all kinds of other rules. But it's hard. I mean, you got to do something with it. And mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. I don't think people realize there's not a ton of money in beer unless you're super huge. Yeah. Yeah. That is, I think people don't understand um, why, why it's so hard because there isn't, especially a distribution, the margins are so tight when you're going out outside. Margins aren't generally, their margins are okay in, you know, if you're producing and selling on on site, but it gets much more challenging when you've got a can, you pay the distributor, pay the retailer, like everybody. And then make sure the retailer doesn't, you know, it's, it's priced at a point where where, when everybody puts their markup on Mm -hmm. it, you're not overpricing and you're, you're not sitting on the shelf $3 more expensive than the next guy. Right, right, right. right. Adam and I live in Tacoma Park. It's a little town uh, just on the border of D.C. and Maryland. I grew up there. 
You grew up in Tacoma Park? I did. I was born in Silver Spring and grew up in Tacoma Park, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, first seven years of my life, yeah. Cool. Uh, um, but So we live, in, we live in this little town, Tacoma Park, and uh, re- there's a little food co-op. Tacoma is a very hippie place, and mm-hmm. there's this little food co-op. Um, which recently started selling beer, and I'm surprised how often. None of it is cold, so everything is on the shelf, but it's where I generally will pick up six-packs just to keep in the fridge. And I've had three conversations now with women who are buying beer for their husband, and they're looking at the shelves, and I'm a nice guy who knows what I'm doing. So I say, are you looking for anything particular? And three times different women have said, I'm looking for the lowest-priced local beer I can get. (laughs) Yep. Like, not looking for styles, not yep. looking for specific breweries. What's the cheapest important. Yeah. locally made yeah. beer that I can buy? Which is sort of a Tacoma Park philosophy of, like, buy local, but also, like, I don't want to pay $17 for a six-pack. <laughs> We've talked a lot about distribution versus serving in the tap room. We're in your tap room. Wait, mm-hmm. I'm well, sorry. You, you do bottle some, though, right? Can or bottle? Bottle. Or both. Bottle? You, you we do usually will we'll, bottling we'll, for your barrel-aged. Yeah, think, for yeah. the barrel-aged stuff we bottle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and is that... I mean, is there... That's I mean, I know it's here. sold here. Yeah. It's just sold here? Yep. Okay. Yep. And you don't can? We anything. do can. Oh, you do can. I'm yes. sorry. And how Small amounts. Small amounts sold, yeah. out, sold out of the tap room as well? Sold out of the tap room, except every once in a while we'll send a few cases to Richmond. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. And to, to continue the distribution conversation, where else can people who don't necessarily come to your tap room get Ocelot beer? We are... There's probably about four or five restaurants or bars that always get every one of our beers. So these are people that have been supporting us from from day one and, and, and many times since even before I opened the brewery, they were they were friends of mine in some way, shape or form. Um, those places always get it, no matter what we make, they always buy everything we make, you know, nice. at NRG, um, you right. know, the Dominion Group, um, and Whole Foods Fair Lakes, Lee, the beer buyer there, had supported me since I got into craft beer and used to bother him about, you know, his <laughs> releases up until when I started home brewing and then opening the place. And he made me a promise a long time ago, if I ever opened a brewery, he would buy every one of our beers every week. And he's stuck to it. He's, he's actually done it. He's one of our biggest accounts. Nice. Um, Dominion Wine, um, yeah. Afshin has always supported us uh, from the get-go. Is it pretty limited to D.C. and Northern Virginia? Yeah, it is. Um, but we're, we, we do occasionally send, like if you saw our list of states that we have distribution to, there's like 10 other states we distribute to. Mm. But that's only for like festivals or stuff. Like, right. you know, we can send beer to Florida. Mm-hmm. But that's, again, mostly for one-off fun times because I have friends down there and we send a few kegs or Vermont or Maine or Massachusetts or PA, um, California. Um, yeah. It's it's all over the map, really. Cool. Well, I will let folks know that if they ever see Ocelot. <laughs> I have a lot yeah, of friends some, in California. Some people yeah. would, uh, would, they'll text me. They'll be like, what the hell? I'm in South Carolina and there's your beer's on tap. It's like, I, th- I can't even go to Maryland and get your beer. I'm in South Carolina. And, uh, nice. and I'm like, yeah, we had an event down there. So we sent a couple guys. Cool. cool. Uh, but I did just sign paperwork to, um, to self-distribute in Maryland. Um, Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Arash came down from uh, downtown. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had the paperwork in hand because I'd always been like, man, I can't deal with any paperwork. He's like, I'll walk you through it. So he did. I wrote a check. He's going to help me get it that processed. And... We'll be sending a couple kegs up that direction. Nice. Yeah. Nice. We will appreciate that. Yes, we will. Yeah. 
I'm excited. All right. Yeah. <laughs> now let's talk about, let's, let's bring it back in and talk about the tap room because obviously this is where most of your beer is sold. Um, and you guys have a really, really comfortable, really nice, extremely large tap room. Thank you. Did you find the spot and say that should be a brewery or did, was it like we're opening a brewery, let's find a spot? It's not that cool sounding. Um, <laughs> and it goes back to uh, at my previous job at the, at the center um, in Old Town. Um, my son was on the playground and had fallen and hit his head. And um, the nurse tried contacting my wife, but I guess she was in a spot that didn't have a cell service. So they, I was the second person. So they contacted me and said, hey, he fell. That's really all they told me. So I'm like, all right, I'll be right there. And I walked up to my boss, who's, who was an awesome guy, and he lives in my neighborhood still. Um, and I told him what happened. And he's like, go, get out of here. Go, go, go. So um, I ran downstairs, jumped in my car, and it took me an hour and a half to get home. Ooh. So, like, my family needed me, and I couldn't get there. So when I was opening a place, I was like, it's going to be within five miles of my house. Oh, there you go. So basically, yeah. I just looked at what was close by. Um and a lot of people ask why an industrial spot and stuff. And in the state of Virginia, we're considered manufacturing. Mm-hmm. So we have to be zoned for manufacturing. Unless the town can override that, like Herndon Falls Church, um, things like that, the, the uh, Leesburg, they can override that. But if you're not in the, like a local place that can override that, you're stuck in an industrial spot. Right. That's why you see a lot of industrial breweries. Plus, it's cheaper, so it's better. I mean, commer- yeah. commercial yeah. real estate like that's in strip malls are going to be way more expensive than yeah. back here in the middle of nowhere in, in an open cube. Basically, that's what um, it is. Yeah. That's, that's every one of these places. I mean, in these sort of office slash industrial right. parks, right? Everything is just a big. Every everything is a box, and yep. then people build it out the way they want. And, and, it, and that's pretty much mandatory. But it also works out for us for the price. It works great for breweries. But what I wanted to do was make it less feeling like a industrial box as I could, which mm-hmm. is why I, I did all the stuff I, I did out there with the lighting, with the flooring, with the decorations, with uh, things like that. There's a lot of murals and a lot of yeah. and a lot of posters in the in the in the tap room mm-hmm. here. And in case people couldn't tell, there's a lot of games. <laughs> Is this so? We're sitting. In, we're actually recording this in in what is the arcade. Right. Um, has this been here the whole time you opened this up? Or is this is technically new? this is called the Antelope Room. The so Antelope Room. You guys will get that. We absolutely yeah. get that. The games came about. We originally were going to open, take the spot and use it for like office parties, people to reserve it for parties and things like that. And during Christmas time, it's, there's a lot of act, there's a lot of need for that. Mm-hmm. So and that's fine, but logistically it kind of sucked and. Um, we couldn't use the room all the time that way. Boring to just come over here. I mean, during overflow days, like there's a lot of people in the taste room, we'd open the doors and they could come in here and hang out. But as you hear, there's no music in here. There's no ambiance. There's no bar in here or anything. Right. So uh, a neighbor of mine collects pinball machines. And he, as soon as he saw the room open, he started hitting me up like, hey, I got pinball machines. Let's put them in there. I'm like, no, not yet. No, not yet. And then finally he broke me down and I'm like, you know what? Bring them. So like, in two days, he filled the room. And yeah. there's still more coming, wow. too. So and this side's going to be you know, more, more games. Now, as a, as a game guy, I, I, and, and if folks are listening to this, I want you to know, we're talking about there's Galaga, there's Ms. Pac-Man, there's Qbert, there's a South Park pinball and a Star Wars pinball. Yeah, I like, have to say, my like favorite games like are pinball, yeah. Qbert, and Galaga. 
Yeah, like this is this is a place to come yeah, and like hang great. out and have some fun. People fight over the high score on those two. <laughs> really? I bet. They come in yeah. to just defend their high score. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> just to defend. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, you guys thought about having some video game tournaments? <laughs> yeah. We are definitely going to have a pinball league. Um, nice. That's going to start in September because um, we have enough machines. And, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, my neighbor Chris who um, and his buddy Matt are the ones that supply these. And they're, they're so good. Like, they came in this morning, actually, and set them all up again because yesterday we had it. We had pre-reserved the room last night for a rehearsal dinner, so we, we got the games out. So they came in this morning and set them back up. But they come in and they wax them, you yes. know, every other week, wow. and they make sure everything's running um, perfectly well. So um, they they they're the ones that posted it up to some online forum that does league play and said, "Here are the machines we got," and I guess it was accepted. So nice. they're gonna start coming here on. Um, that is super cool. Leagues. Yeah, yeah. I have to say, I grew up with an old style pinball mm-hmm. machine yeah. in my house. There you go. One. All right loved it growing up and I just love those old style pinball machines and you certainly have several of those in here as well we do although with all the new you know opinions about yes yeah Yeah. Yeah. sexual harassment stuff there are are a couple that are from the 70s like I can't do anything about it you know but uh, but we call that vintage Mm -hmm. it was a different time as long as we don't you know, perpetuate those things, then you can... Yeah, we're not going to take pictures next to it and be like, come play pinball. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you called this the Antelope Room, and the yeah. name of the brewery is Ocelot, which is Correct. a fish song. That's right. Was there something from that song that called to you to call this Ocelot, or do you just really like the name? Well, no, actually, at first, I, I wasn't the, the biggest fan of the name. Um, I had submitted, like, three other names to our attorney prior to, to opening, um, and he shot them all down uh, for one reason or another. Either somebody had it or it would cause some kind of trademark problem or just straight-up bad idea. Um, <laughs> he did on one of them. He's like, you can do that, but you better put me on retainer right now. So <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> and I was in the, my... Um, in my basement at home with a couple of my friends and we were shooting pool and drinking beer and it was like two in the morning and the song Ocelot came on, which I loved. Um, and all three of us just start kind of singing along to it. And my one friend was like, just, just name the brewery that and be done with it. Cause I was stressing about what we're going to name the brewery. So I like picked up my phone and I emailed my attorney and I'm like, how about this? And I woke up the next morning and he's like, done. I'm like, all right, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Thank you, fish. <laughs> yeah. um, so this is the antelope room. Also a fish song. Right. All of your beers are, the names of all of your beers are, are from lyrics of songs you love, right? 99% of them, yeah. 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 Collaborations sometimes we don't sure. um, do, or when something fun comes about, like Lamp is actually, um, I'm sure there's a song lyric with Lamp in it, but that's not <laughs> what that's from. That's from a, an inside joke between us and The Veil. That was just, it, it came out of just pure sure. fun. That's but, but mostly, I mean, and we've talked to brewers before, as we've been doing this for two years, one of the questions we used to ask all the time is how do you come up with the names of your beers? Because often it's an interesting story. Sometimes it's not. <laughs> and it was fun and interesting for the first hundred names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but we're like close to 300 different names. I think we're like 270 something as far as ABC goes. Mm. And after a while, you're like, what the hell am I going to name it next? You know, <laughs> right. um, we, we have we still actually have a Saison that we we. It's going to come out in a couple of weeks. We don't have a name for it. So I've, if you guys have any ideas. I, I have suggestions. Hit me. I'll, I'll do it, man. Yeah. 
go through Steely Dan lyrics. There's all kinds of crazy shit in Steely Dan lyrics (laughs) that you'll just be like, what does that even mean? (laughs) Um, I'm a huge Steely Dan fan. There's lots of times when my friends and I'll be like, what is that line makes no sense. It means completely (laughs) meaningless. He just found words he thought were cool and put them together. Because Donald Fagan's like that, but but yes, yeah, Steely Dan give you some great ideas. And sometimes the names are so out of context with the song that right. it's hard to even go. Back. And, I, and I'll right. even forget. You know, at first okay. we'd write them all down, and we were serious about it. And like the staff <laughs> would like pe- be able to answer. You know, whoever asked, "What song is this from?" and they would be like, "Well, it's from this." And blah, blah. and now it's just like I don't know. <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> Kid Charlemagne would be a good name for what's that? Kid Charlemagne. All right. Talking yeah. about Steely That's Dan. That's a Steely Dan. All right. Yeah. Um, Pretzel Logic is another good song name. But check the lyrics of Steely Dan. And my like, rates for beer names are very low. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> All right. One other question. What kind of events do you have here? And do you have any that are coming up? Besides the pinball thing that's coming future? up. Yeah, besides the pinball thing. We have, let's see... We have a fish cover band playing uh, next Saturday. Sweet. Uh, the Last Rewind is what they're called. They're phenomenal. Um, I'm a diehard fish fan, and I know a lot of diehard fish fans. So I'm like, come check out this cover. And they're like, oh, it's a cover band. <laughs> and I'm like, just come on. And they come, and they're blown away, like nice. literally blown away. Um, obviously, nothing's like the real thing, but um, right. they do a damn good job. Cool. Um, and then uh, let's see. See, there's live, that live music so you got in the in the tap room here. And you're like, we're actually going to put them in this room. Oh. So we're going to move the machines out of here. They actually have this huge, you know, that multi-thousand-dollar lighting system and oh, kit. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, Fish is also. I think the the fifth member is yeah. Corona. So like, he's, right. <laughs> the lighting is yeah part of the true. action. So they're they're. Their stage act is pretty pretty complex, and yeah. the lighting is a, yeah. is a deal. It's a million cool. bucks, I heard. Yeah? Wow. They wow. bought it for the Baker's Dozen, and they've been bringing it around with them. Oh, right, all right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, so the live music in the Antelope Room. That seems Correct. appropriate yep. for the Fish yes, Cover Band. Yep. Awesome. You guys get bring live music in a lot? Not really. Yeah. Uh, that was the original plan, um, um, but it... It doesn't pan out as awesome as it sounds on paper, it's unfortunately. Work. Like, I would love more than anything to support local music and, and, and people, but unfortunately, a lot of local music plays a lot in a lot of places mm-hmm. all the time, mm-hmm. and they just don't bring in anybody, and most of the time, they scare them off. Yeah. And, and not because they're bad, just because people come to chill and hang out, and then all of a sudden, there's this music that's loud in their ears. They can't communicate or chat with each other. They didn't come here for the music, so they leave. Yeah, um, which sucks because I'd, I'd love to be able to support local yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things was with this room, we were gonna people could hang out and chill in the other room, and if they want to listen to music here, but I don't want a band in here and have play for one person either. Right. That yeah. would yeah. that would suck too. Yeah. So I'm still trying to figure that out. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough because it, yeah. I mean that's like you said, it's it's the, it, unless you're bringing in people that who have a following who are coming here I mean and and saying oh my god we really want to see these guys and right. there's going to be great beer it's it's really hard to get it people is. to come in and say oh let's go get some great beer and look there's live music too right um I'm I'm more on that look there's live music too side but yeah. I've definitely had that problem where I've gone to places and been like I can't hear any like I can't have a conversation yeah, yeah. and I'm not here to see the band or yeah. Yeah, I want to see the band, but I don't 
it's not a concert. Right. <laughs> I don't right. want to do nothing but pay right. attention to the band. So yeah, it's a challenge. It but, is. Um, it is. There, there are exceptions. You know, we know we know some solo guys who played in the room, like locally. Nathaniel mm-hmm. Davis is phenomenal. He's he's a good friend, and he he plays to the room. Like he he feels the crowd out. And he's so good. And, yeah. you know, he'll play to the right volumes and either up it accordingly or down accordingly and, like, different styles and different different kinds of music. And he can play anything from, like, James Taylor to Slayer. So it's, like, nice. <laughs> all by himself. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And that's more, that's what that's what we call ambiance music, yeah. right? Like, right. so yeah. it's, great to, it's great to have it in the background and he's right. playing to the crowd. So you might get a song that you really love and then sort of not, you know, tune it out for a little while. But that's, you can still talk. You can still talk. People right. around you, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the perfect uh, yeah. Yeah, the ambiance music is nice. Yep. All right. This has been a lot of fun, Adrian. Thanks so much My for pleasure, joining man. us. Yeah, man. thank really you very much. Absolutely. Uh, so remember, folks, you can get all the information about everything happening in the craft beer scene in the Metro DC, greater Metro DC area at dcbeer.com. You can f- uh, follow us on all the social media things at DC Beer. And uh, as always, always drink great beer. Mm-hmm.